Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of National Board Conversations. It is National School Counseling Month, and we wanted to get into it with the National Board Certified School Counselor. On this episode, I have the opportunity to speak with Chad Jackson, a school counselor and mental health professional out in Big Sky Country, Montana. Um, so I was never paying attention. I was always goofing around, way too much energy. Uh, and I think as, as I've gotten to become an, an educator myself, I realized that a big piece of it for me was not being engaged. He holds a lot of titles, including being on the committee of revising our book, What Teachers Should Know and Be Able to Do. He has an incredible story, so let me let him tell it. Here's my conversation with Chad Jackson. Chad Jackson, thank you for joining me. How are you doing today? Good. Glad to be here. Um, yeah. All right, so we'll get right into it. Can you give us a brief intro of yourself? Uh, what's your current role and your job? And then I'm going to ask you three personal questions to kind of get into you a little bit. All right, sounds good. Um, well, my name is Chad Jackson. I am an elementary school counselor. Uh, I've been working in K-5, like elementary, um, kind of a Title One school for about, uh, this is my 13th year there. Um, and then I'm also a... Of course, National Board Certified Teacher in School Counseling. Um, I'm also a licensed therapist and run, uh, do a little bit of private practice on the side, seeing clients. And then lastly, I just started at uh, the university. Um, I live here in Montana, and so I'm working at uh, Montana State University teaching grad classes um, in school counseling. So I'm kind of busy. <laughs> Hey, man, you juggle a lot of hats, and I appreciate you making time for me between all of that stuff. So uh, getting into it, what are your three favorite foods? You know, I'm a big fan of, like, hamburgers and steaks and stuff like that, but I also I really like shrimp. So uh, I'd have to say those are my three favorite. And I love to grill, so part of, part of loving those is, like, I, I love grilling those and, like, finding recipes and cooking them. So so what's your favorite meat to grow? Uh, definitely steak. You know, I like a good New York steak. And and I'm super like proud of my daughter because my daughter, like her, she'll tell anybody, she's like, my favorite food is steak. And I'm like, yes. You know? <laughs> nice, nice, nice. All right. So the last three songs on your Spotify playlist. Oh, gosh. I'm terrible with songs. Um. My son and I are really into the One Republic song. I ain't worried. It just gets okay. like stuck in our head and like we'll sing it around the house and stuff. And it's everywhere, it's, man. It's hard it to tells avoid. me I have a terrible singing voice, but it's so catchy, you know, and it makes me like just makes me like kind of little peppy. So, uh, yeah. And then most of the other stuff I like is like stuff from the 90s and the bands aren't even together anymore. And, you know, oh, what you got? Who you listening to? Uh, well, probably one of my favorites is Pearl Jam. So I love Pearl Jam. Um, I really like a, a band called Collective Soul. Um, yeah, so I like alternative rock and stuff. All right, I'm going to have to do some research on Collective Soul. But Pearl Jam, classic, especially up in there in that Pacific Northwest area. Oh, yeah. Yep, for All sure. Right. All right. And last thing, the one sports team that has your heart. And then if you're not a sports person, one movie you can recite line for line. And feel free to say both if you want. Well, so here's the deal. Like, when you live in Montana, like, it's a big deal when Montana play teams play each other, but we don't have any pro teams, nothing. So, like, in Montana, you, as a kid, you can, like, pick whatever team you want. So, like, all my teams are from all over the place. But recently, 
for whatever crazy reason, our whole family's from Minnesota, so they're all Vikings fans. Oh, and me and my me and my little brother had this great idea when we were little kids, and we're like, no, we're gonna cheer for their division rivals, the Lions. Because wow. that'd be cool, right? They got this running back named Barry Sanders. He's amazing. So we became Lions fans. And 30 years later, we finally win our first like playoff game. And so right now, you know, the Lions just lost to the 49ers, but like my brother and I have just been going crazy because the Lions are, you know, actually like a really good team this year. So yeah. Yeah, super competitive, man. It was cool. It was cool to see that story. I was rooting for the Lions in, in that game against the 49ers, man. Like yeah, I really wanted bit, them to win. It's weird to go into the offseason instead of being like, oh, the Lions suck. They're the worst. We're like, yes, next year we're gonna be even better. Yeah, and you so, got some real optimism going on over there, man. Yeah, I love, yeah. I love it. We're keeping our offensive coordinator and all this stuff. Like things just finally feel like they're falling into place. So right now it'd be the Lions, you know? Love it. Love it. All right. So now we're going to get back into your education career. Can you share what got you into the, into the field of education? Well, it's, I have kind of a cool background when it comes to that. My dad um, was a licensed therapist here in Montana for like 30, 40 years. And, uh, you know, like I always looked up to my dad and I was like, oh, man, I want to be like my dad when I grow up. And uh, then he told me, don't go into counseling, man. Don't go into counseling. And so my mom was a teacher um, and she taught for like 35 years. And so like the, the logical fit for me was to go into counseling. So or I mean, into education. And so uh, really because of the influence of both my parents and just the value of people and working with kids, I ended up going into education and then it was just kind of a logical next step for me to get my uh, master's in school counseling. And so that's kind of how I got here, but it's pretty, pretty awesome going into the field when your, your mom and your dad, you know, can be there to support you and give you tips and guidance and stuff like that. So. Yeah, that's awesome. It's like a family legacy almost. Yeah. And, you know, I have a lot of extended family that are teachers and education is just sort of a big part of my family's identity and DNA. So that's really cool. That's really cool. OK, so what were you like as a student and how does that influence your style now? <laughs> that's a fun question. So I think, the you know, the, like the um, the correct way to say it is I was a little bit neurodiverse when I was a kid. Um <laughs> So I was never paying attention. I was always goofing around, way too much energy. Uh, and I think as, as I've gotten to become an, an educator myself, I realized that a big piece of it for me was not being engaged. Uh, I, I was a good student. I worked hard. I mean, it was a big expectation in my home with a mom as a teacher and stuff. But I, I think what I've realized is I wasn't super engaged um, when I was in class and stuff. And so one of the things I've always tried to do is try to give breaks to kids, you know, um, help them out. Like as a counselor, I've done a lot with like different strategies for them to take breaks and sort of stay on task and like move if they need to move and stuff like that. So it's really impacted what I do. But I also try to keep things engaging and exciting so that I, I, I have kids attention. So definitely a big influence on how I approach uh my lessons and teaching and stuff like that. So now you're national board certified. What pushed you to pursue board certification? What was your journey like? Did you achieve on your first try? You know, I want to like give you some kind of 
uh, answer about my inherent nobility and all that stuff. But the rea- the reality is like, I like a challenge. I wanted the challenge. I wanted to see if I could do it. Um, and as soon as I jumped in, like, I know that one of the things that struck me right away was just like, oh man, this stuff is super helpful and valuable. But initially I would say that probably wasn't the impetus for me to, to dive into it. But man, as I engaged in the process, like I, I just got more and more invested in the process because of how I was seeing it really help um, with a lot of my pedagogy and how I was approaching students. And it was just helping me to be a better professional and a better educator. And so my my initial motives might not have been quite as as uh, noble, like I said, but man, like it was amazing to see how it started to really revolutionize me as a professional and an educator. So, no, but wanting to challenge yourself is pretty noble, right? Like you did it, and it turned out to be super helpful for your students and who you who you help with. So, sure, like you did it for selfish reasons, but it turned out to be a very helpful for your community. And that's, Oh yeah, absolutely. And I do, I love a challenge. You know, I used to do sports and all kinds of stuff and it's probably why I ended up getting my master's too. And, and so I definitely love the challenge and and national boards was a challenge. It was definitely a challenge. So, so did you achieve on your first try? I did, but just, just by the skin of my teeth. I mean, (laughs) it was so close and I was so stressed but man, when I got those fireworks on the email, I was like dancing around. My kids were jumping up and down with me. It was a celebration. Oh man, love to hear that. Love to hear that. So, do you have any funny or heartwarming memories from your journey to becoming oh, board certified? There, it's so tricky to come up with those specific examples. Uh, I do remember I took some of the curriculum that I did. And for one of the components, I was doing like a lot of small group work with these boys. Uh, this group of about four or five boys. And I tell you, like, I don't have the specifics, but it was incredible to see how my relationship and connection with those boys just completely transformed. And they were such a pain in the butt, that group of boys, which is partly why they were in my group. And like, it was incredible to see how using, you know, like best practices and, and like assessments and, and data and whatever, like being able to help those boys grow behaviorally specifically um, through the course of that, that year when they were in fourth grade was, was a really cool thing. So although I I can't remember like a really funny, like whatever, like I just connected with those boys and the, the, like, the rapport that I developed with them really because of this national board project transformed like so much of how I worked with them and really had a a major positive impact on their behavior and some of the things we were sort of struggling through with them at that time. That's awesome to hear, especially as more stuff is coming out about how young boys are struggling in school. And so hearing a thing come out about like you connected with them and it really helped them progressing their behavior and in school was really, it's really awesome to hear. So, and hopefully we can keep uh, that track going forward. Yeah. So how did becoming an NBCT impact your career? Well, I mean, one of the things that was crazy was the doors that it's opened for me. Um, stuff I never, I never got out of my local community. Um, never really got to the state level and it opened doors for me at the state level and starting to present at conferences and things like that. And before I knew it, I, uh, about a year and a half ago, got invited to be part of a national board, um, 
uh, committee in Washington, D.C. doing uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and now uh, this spring in 2024, I get to go back for a, another committee to work on the handbook. And so I think it, it really expanded my um, little world and gave me access to this whole community of national board um, educators uh, across the country. And it, I, I think it just shattered a lot of glass ceilings for me in my mind. And like, even now I'm just like, man, where, I don't even know where this is taking me, but the journey has just been unbelievable in terms of what it's opened me up to and, and how it's expanded my perspective on the world and on education. Oh man, that's good to hear. <clears throat> so, um, have you worked with different age groups other than elementary and how would your approach for middle schoolers and high schoolers differ from what you do with uh, elementary students? It's, you know, I've taught at every level. Uh, I taught high school Spanish. I taught middle school, several different subjects, language arts and stuff like that. As a, as a counselor, I've only worked as a, um, an elementary counselor. Uh, but I also am a therapist, like I said, and I, I work with uh, mostly teenagers when I do therapy. And so I've worked with like every level. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that I've learned is, is learning to understand what's developmentally appropriate. So we're, we're meeting students where they're at. And, and that can be social, that can be emotional, that can be academic, but we're meeting them developmentally where they're at. And I think sometimes that's recognizing uh, the gaps they may have or the spaces they're in in terms of their own growth and, and, and you know, acquisition of skills and being able to meet them in that spot and help challenge them to grow and move to the, you know, move forward. And so I think that looks completely different when you're talking to a senior in high school who's getting ready for for what's next in their life and their journey and, and college and whatever versus a kindergartner who's coming in and doesn't know how to share a crayon. So I think the key is when we're working with people, when we're working with students to be able to see them for who they are and where they are and meet them where they're at so that we can help them grow. So how do you collaborate with elementary school teachers to support the overall well-being of the students? You know, I think uh, one aspect of the Association of School Counselors of America like model is that we as counselors are looking at the school climate. So yeah, my, my primary job is to work with students, but I think like one of the best things I can do sometimes is support teachers. And so I'm constantly like going to teachers and, and checking in on their kids, but but also doing classroom lessons and and things to impact the school culture. And, and the better I do at that, the more I understand like the needs of the students and of the classroom and whatever. And so I'm constantly going to teachers and saying like, okay, how's this work? How did that lesson go? You know, how's this kid doing? Um, we're working on both individualized like behavior plans, but also like, hey, what is your classroom need right now? What are the kids struggling with? And so the more in touch I am with, with teachers and with uh, then what they see as the needs of the student because they're on the front front lines with these kids, uh, the better I'll be able to do at my job of of supporting the teachers, but also meeting the needs of students and and adjusting to what our school is needing from me. So given the age group, how do you have a chance to incorporate play and creative activities into your sessions? And can you do you have any examples of them? <laughs> Yeah, that part I'm really good at, Eddie. Uh, so 
my, I'm, I have to give credit to my daughter's fourth grade teacher. Uh, his name is Mr. Welsh, and uh, she kept coming get home. National Board certified. <laughs> yeah, he's. A, we'll get to him. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll circle back to that one. Uh, but anyway, like she keeps telling me about like, oh, we had the captain came today. The captain came. And I'm like, what are you talking about, sweetie? So I'm like, Ellie, what do, you, what do you mean when you say the captain came? She's like, well, it's actually Mr. Welsh, but he pretends like he's a captain and he like whatever and comes in and does this lesson. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is brilliant. And so that was several years ago. You know, my daughter's in middle school now. I have now developed like multiple characters of my own that uh, that do lessons for me. And so my favorite one, we live in Montana. My favorite one is I dress dress up like an outdoorsman and like his name is Montana Jack. So I'll tell the kids, I'll be like, hey, my, my buddy Montana Jack's going to come next week. And then he comes and does a lesson with them and stuff. And then they're, you know, it's like a game. And the, the, the kids are like, we know it's you, Mr. Jackson. We know it's you. And I'm like, no, not me. It's my buddy, you know. But all year long, it'll be like this running joke. And, and another one I talk about, like, positive thinking and uh um staying staying positive and have an inner coach that's um encouraging you know we're saying like positive things to ourselves so I, I frame it like a star wars lesson and come dressed up as like a jedi and and talk okay. about like you know like going to the light side or the dark side and then one of my favorite things is every year for red ribbon week uh I dress up kind of like Einstein and doing a, a school assembly on, and I do like all these science like experiments and blow stuff up and things like that. But then we tie it into how, you know, chemicals and drugs and stuff can have such a crazy impact on our body and our functioning and stuff like that. And so you tie it into strong content, but by playing and, and making a game of it, having fun with it, I think, it really resonates more with kids and, and I'm hoping has like a bigger impact on, on their thinking, on their perspectives, on their learning. So. That's really fun to hear, man. It's really cool that you got all these characters. I love to hear that. <laughs> so um, have you ever gotten un unexpected piece of advice from a student that has kind of had an impact on you? You know, <laughs> usually it's funny stuff. Like they're like, we play, we love to play music. Like when kids come in, and like evidently Mr. Jackson just cannot dance. It's like a thing. So, you know, their advice is usually, dude, don't don't dance anymore. But I don't worry, I won't let them stop me, Eddie. I keep it up, I keep going. Um I'll power through, man. Yeah, you know. So I'll I guess I'll, I guess I'll work on it if you got any tips for me, but you know. I'll see what I'll see what I could do. Man, they hurting <laughs> the feelings over here. Your son's saying you can't sing, and the students saying you can't dance, but they're trying to tear that tear you down. Yeah, I, I, and I think it's fair, but you know, I'm a, I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to get better, trying to improve. That's what the national board process is about. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, switching gears a little bit, who is your favorite fictional teacher? Nah. <laughs> um, so my grandpa introduced me when I was little to uh, Calvin and Hobbes. And so one of my favorite, one of my favorite fictional teachers is Mrs. Wormwood. And like, I always love how like Calvin imagines her as like some kind of alien monster or like, you know, some kind of like creature that's about to eat him or whatever. Like, I always just thought that was so funny. It was hilarious. So, um, and then now, you know, as an adult, I've actually read like almost the, I think the entire Calvin and Hobbes series with my son. And so. 
although she's not a positive national board certified like teaching model, you know, I'd it's have okay. to say that was one of my favorite. It's okay. It's okay. All right. So now we're going to get into some teacher recruitment. If you had to sell the education profession to someone looking to get into it in one to two minutes, what would you use as your elevator pitch? You know, I think uh, if you want to be the best, if you want to improve, um, it requires knowledge and it requires even like a framework of where to go next and what to do next and what what is the process of, of improvement? What even are the like best practices and pedagogy and, and things like that? And ultimately, I think educators are in this business for kids and for students and to make a difference. And if you truly want to, to make a difference, if you really want to pursue best practice to help students grow and achieve their greatest potential, I think, I don't think that I've run into anything that is more effective at helping an educator take it to the next level than the national board's process. And it's hard and it's challenging and it's rigorous, but I'll tell you, like, I have completely been revolutionized as a professional and as an educator and as even as an individual because of um, the experiences I've had with national boards. And then again, as we previously mentioned, it, it's just connected me with an entire network of top notch educators and people that really share the same heart as me. And so, man, if you're thinking about it, my pitch would be like, dive in, go for it. You won't regret it. All right, all right. And so we have a feature on the podcast called The Shoulder Tap. It's when you give a tap on the shoulder to a colleague and let them know they're ready to become National Board Certified. On here, you'll give them a quick shout-out, and then on social media, we'll encourage them to go through the process. So, Chad, who are you shoulder tapping? I would say I'm probably shoulder tapping Mr. Welsh, you know? My daughter's fourth grade teacher, so. All right, Mr. Welsh, you on deck. We're going to get you National Board certified. <laughs> Chad Jackson, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Eddie, I appreciate it. It was a blast. Thank you for having me. I, I really feel honored, and, and I really enjoyed this, so thank you. Wow. Chad is such a bright and fun character. hope some of the information he put on the podcast is helpful. I want to thank him again for joining me on the podcast and thank you for listening to this episode of National Board Conversation. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time.